to another edition, well, the second edition of Reverb Rewind, presented, of course, by myself, Josh Robinson, and Kevin is here as well. What's going on, Josh? I'm, uh, just finished up watching Raw like an hour or so before we're hitting it, we're uh, sitting down to record this, so it's very fresh, very, uh, very in my mind right now, I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, so I watched this Raw yesterday, um... Because it's the morning here, so... Um, but, uh... It was an interesting Raw. So today we're looking at the... We had a... Well, first off, we had four choices to pick from for this Reverb Rewind of four different Raws. Um, and you guys went with the Attitude Era Raw, which I'm not surprised with. And I'm also um, not mad at. It was... This Raw had a little bit of everything. And it was... Uh, action-packed, I guess is the word. Very cool Raw to look at, to be honest, because not only are we going to recap this show, we're going to, like, we're definitely going to talk about the fact of how different Raw is now and how different Raw is then. It's two very Mm -hmm. different shows, almost, in a certain um, way. Um, Kevin, um, before you kind of break down any kind of bits of Raw... um, and before you go into detail, we'll talk about it more later, but do you agree that these are almost two completely different shows? They are. They're in style, in length, in presentation. They are, it's like night and day almost. Yeah. Raw in 2000, Raw here today in 2019. It, it's crazy how much has changed. Yeah. Um, but then there's bits of Raw where I take out of that Raw, and I can see the formulas still there for now. Um, I mean, this is almost 20 years ago at this stage. It's, it's not like it's, you know, yesterday. This is um, quite some time ago. Um, but it, 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 it was, um, before we uh, kind of break it down, this roar took place in Indianapolis. It was the night after Judgment Day. There was um, yeah. an Iron Man match on this Judgment Day. Um, between Triple H and The Rock, Shawn Michaels was a special referee. You had Undertaker come in, um, the corporate DX or whatever you call it. I don't know their exact title, but they were corporate the DX. Van Helmsley faction. Oh, they, that was, Not that, very creative. I mean, damn, originality is 10 out of 10 on that one. Um, it was just, this show was very centered around that. We'll, we'll um, put it that way without spoiling anything yet. Um, but Kev, what did we start off with on this Raw? Let's not waste any more time. What, what happened at the very beginning of this Raw? Okay, so before I even get to, like, what actually started the show, I just want to, I just want to say, I miss Pyro. 
<laughs> oh, me too. And I miss a show intro. The f- yes, I, I, I have just, that. Have that as well. That just two seconds. things. That make it- is just very, I don't know, it just, I put it on the uh, wrestling, uh, wrestling Reverb Instagram story of just how cool it was to look at that intro and you're just like, yep, okay, I'm ready for Raw. If Raw had that 30 to 40 second intro um, or show intro for Raw, it would get me in the mood to keep, what, like, okay, I'm ready, like, I'm excited. There's a reason shows have intros there's a reason that friends had an intro everyone look at friends um everybody knows the friends song everyone knows the friends intro it gets you ready for the episode of friends there's better examples but i mean that is an iconic sound it's an iconic tune that raw tune is iconic in the wrestling world everyone it happened every week and it's just a lost art of WWE, not pro wrestling, but WWE, um, WWE just, there was a little time period when the brand split came back in 2016, where they were playing show intros every week, and I don't know, it's just something that just gets you hype, and then the pyro comes down, and the intro, and your, your city title comes up, and welcome to Raw, and then you're on your way, it's just a little thing that takes very little time to execute and you can't really do it wrong unless you don't do it <laughs> yeah and today with the way the show opens without without an intro it, that that intro just fed in such a hot crowd and that was really evidenced on this episode of raw yeah from 2000 where the indianapolis crowd right came right out of that intro the pyro hit the crowd was going nuts today it's just sort of you know the screen the, the screen comes on you have to then now forever thing and then it's just there's the crowd, and then the show starts. It's it's kind of uninspiring in a way. Yeah, it's just there's no. Literally, this is really poor wording, but there's no introduction. What are we watching? If there was someone that wasn't, you know, it just clicked over, and you know, oh, WWE's on next. I I kind of know what wrestling is, but I've never watched it. If they don't, if they just. It's like getting a book without the first two pages, almost. Like, what am I yeah. reading? What am I watching? What's to come? I don't know. It gets you a simple glimpse of flashes of images of wrestlers and performers and the characters on the show. It's it's just so much more common sense to have it than to not. But, I mean, I could probably talk for a whole podcast episode about little things like that with WWE in 2019 because it's just a it may be a, just an us thing but I think it's more of the majority want it than they don't I just don't see why you wouldn't it doesn't take really any time off of the show it's like 30 seconds honestly yeah no and I and I think you're right and the majority of the people that watch wrestling today clamor for that sort of that that little it's it's a little touch but a little touch that goes a long way i think yeah just a little thing but hey we i guess we're picky (laughs) yeah and that's not the worst thing you know Mm -hmm. to be nitpicky because we love it and we want it to be as good as it can be that's true as we've touched on before as we've touched on before now to get to the opening of the show, we open with Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon coming out to the ring. No chance in hell, Blair and the crowd giving him the business. 
and it's 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 just funny because obviously Vince was such a bad like he's such a good heel, such a bad guy back in the day. Just to actually see him get booed because nowadays, even when he's doing things like screwing over Becky Lynch, he's you know he's he's screwing over Kofi Kingston. He still comes out and gets such a pop nowadays that it's crazy to hear him get booed at all. Yeah, um, one thing I noticed from this whole promo is that yes, okay, Vince is aged a lot as everybody does in over time, but Vince's promo work has gone downhill. He stumbles on his words a lot now, and that just comes with his age and and whatever, but um, uh, his his level of promo, in my eyes, has gone way down. Like, this promo he cut on this Raw was pretty damn good. Like, Vince is yeah. Vince. Vince, is, Vince knows what he's doing. He still does now, and I'm not saying he has a bad promo at all, because he doesn't. It's just more so the fact that he's just his, I think he's, level of assertiveness and stuff has just declined and um he's he just i've just noticed lately that every promo that he cuts he's always stumbling on a word or it seems like he's missing a point or something's gone wrong he always does something to get it back to where it needs to be he knows what he's doing but vince's promo here and vince's promo in this day and age two very different things yeah the way he holds the crowd just captive with his words uh, back in 2000 on this Raw is, and, and it's not just Vince, it's, as we'll get to later, it's Triple H, it's The Rock, it's everybody. But their promo skills, like, they just, they, they captivate you with their words. Mm-hmm. They really hold you in the palm of their hand with what they have to say. Even if they're, you know, like they're chanting bad things at you, you could shut them up with, with a simple line, and then they listen to you again because they want to hear what you have to say. I think that's something that, with the exception of a few guys today, your John Cena's, your Paul Heyman's. I think that's something that's lost today. I don't think, I, frankly, I mean, just to call a spade a spade, I just think promos were a little bit. I think the, I think the best promos back in the day were just a bit just un, untouchable. Yeah, um, I think it's pretty noted now that promos are too worked on by too many people. And they're too scripted. At the end of the day, they're just too scripted. For the most part. That's not everybody. You can tell the people that are putting themselves into a promo, or at least trying to, and just... I understand that this is a television show, and you you have to have a script. It is what it is. Um, But you can tell the people that had their scripts written for them, and they're reading them, and the people that are like, give me where I need to go, and I'll get there. Um... Like you're saying, like John Cena, he doesn't have a script. It's pretty obvious that he doesn't have a script. He knows where we have to get to, and he'll cut a promo accordingly. Um, I think um, then you look on the other side of things, and I think Ronda Rousey is trying her hardest to do that, but she's green in promos. She's just... she doesn't have the natural ability to get a promo. While I think, in a lot of ways, Ronda's promos have improved, um, she doesn't have that natural thing where it just sounds like she's reading off a piece of paper and trying to force emotion. In this Raw, throughout it, with every promo, there was none of that. There was It was 100% pure emotion um, and kind of almost a free flow. Um that can be a detriment sometimes, but for the most part, it works fine. You could tell in Vince's promo at the start to all the other promos that we'll get to on this Raw, but 
it seems to be much more of a free-flowing river than, than now, and it definitely shows. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, Vince accomplishes so much with this promo, too. Just in his, his couple of minutes out there, you know, he managed to run down Judgment Day, basically recap the audience on what happened if they hadn't seen the pay-per-view. Like, for example, I hadn't seen Judgment Day 2000 in a while. So I, I was I, I knew about the main event, but you know he also ran down a couple things that happened with you know X Pac and Road Dog. He had, yeah. he ran down Shane McMahon and Big Show. Yeah, uh, he did all of that. He also he also he mentioned the Undertaker, who spoiler alert, I guess if you're living 20 years in the past, <laughs> uh, made his return to WWE at this Judgment Day pay per view. He he set up Undertaker to come back again. Monday night by saying the marshals were out there waiting for him. They're going to arrest him if he shows up. So now, so now you're wondering if the Undertaker is going to be there. And he sets up the Rock in this four-on-one suppose this four-on-one proposed handicap match between the Rock and an X-Pac, Road Dog, Shane, and Triple H. Just in, I don't know how long it was. It didn't seem like it was that long. It didn't seem to drag on like promos. Some some of the opening promos do today. But he accomplished so much. He set the he set the foundation for the whole show. Yeah, it literally set up what it needed to do. It wasn't a overly long promo either. It sounds like if someone hadn't watched this and was just listening to you describe what he just kind of went through, you would think it's a 15, 20 minute long promo. It wasn't. I don't feel like this promo ran, promo ran all that long. I don't know exactly uh, how long it ran. I couldn't. I didn't time it or anything. But I was that's because I was kind of entranced by what he was saying. Honestly, yeah, I really wanted to hear me. what he had to say. It captivated and me. Before I knew it, it was over, and we were moving on. I wanted to ask you a question because this actually just occurred to me right now. Uh, if Vince came out today, and, and you know he books Rock in a four-on-one handicap match, if he booked like say Becky Lynch in a four-on-one handicap match today. How do you think wrestling Twitter would react? Because we didn't have it back in 2000, but there's a lot of opinionated people out there now. Yeah, because I thought exactly the same thing. I'm like, oh, my initial reaction was like, oh, the odds are stacked against The Rock. But if that was now, people would complain so much oh, because they'd, oh, they're burying Becky Lynch and... You know, we don't want to see this boring beatdown of heel people on one face. It's like, I never understood that sentiment. You're booking, essentially, four heels against one baby face. What does that mean to you? Because to me, that means the baby face is either... Is getting a solid enough reaction to be that sympathetic towards a babyface that you want them to beat four heels. And more so than not, this is pro wrestling. This isn't, you know, an actual fight. The face will go over. Yeah, it's the thing. It's like, this is not like a real four-on-one fight. No. This is a... This is something where, yeah, people are going to see... You're going to see who you want end up, you know, on top in the end. It's not going to just be a straight-up four-on-one beatdown. Not with someone as popular as The Rock, and not with someone as popular as, you know, say, Becky Lynch today. There would definitely be a lot of fights shown. Becky would probably overcome the odds. Just, you know, and we'll get to, we'll see what happens with that whole thing later on the show. But, uh, 
yeah, I, I think today a lot of people would just be so mad about it. Yeah. And they'd be mad online. And uh, I mean, that's, that's as, as easy, as prone as we all are to that, uh, it, would, it would actually be quite, quite comical, I think, for me to just watch people get mad about it. Yeah, that's what I'm like, too. Um, we have spoken enough times to know how you and I are as fans, and we're very much on the same boat of, we just kind of let things roll. We have our reactions when we do, but we're just on the on the train at this point and just going towards wherever they're going and hoping for the best. But when you see people get so annoyed at the silliest things, I just giggle, honestly. I just have a laugh. Um, but if, you know, if wrestling Twitter was a thing in on May 22nd, 2000... Um, who knows what the reaction would have been because people treat the Attitude Era and now so differently and that is one of the main reasons why people aren't enjoying the show as much as they could be is because they keep repa- comparing it to the Attitude Era. Um, yep. There's so many things about the Attitude Era that I love, certainly is, um, but there's so many things about now that I love that wouldn't work in the Attitude Era or vice versa. So, I mean, people always want this era back um, and in some ways, so do I, but in other ways, there is things on this show that I'm just like, I don't want that. And yeah, okay, maybe the show is structured a little better back then, and maybe it's a little bit more of the wild, wild west, and in anything terms that anything could happen, but people complain too about um, shows being structured around a single person or a single few people. This show was... Like, literally structured around one story. Yeah. And everything yeah. else just kind of flowed into it. And people would whinge about that now, but that's what they love so much about the Attitude Era. So, I didn't get that kind of stuff. But anyway, we digress. Um, What happened after the uh, old mate Vin- Vinnie Max promo? Okay, so right after Vinnie Max promo, they cut backstage. You see Vince coming through the curtain, right? And who is waiting just behind him comes out comes out from the corner of your screen, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who beats the holy hell out of him. Trash throws a trash can at him, hits him over the head with the lid, tosses him in the limousine, and sends him promptly packing from the building. He beat the crap out of Vince too, damn. I know. Those those shots are so they're they're just oh, they're they're like it's hard to stomach some of the stuff they did back then with with weapons. Yeah. And I, there's definitely a, a portion of the show that I will touch on that again later. Definitely some more some more weapons play coming into uh coming into effect later on. But jeez. I oh, the trash can shots, especially cuz Vince is, you know, he's still not young at this time. No, he's probably he's probably fifty some. Yeah, he would. He's older, but that trash can lid when he was um, banging his head into the uh, like garage door. Vince was putting his hands up at the start, but by the end, Vince was just taking them all on his head. And you know how Vince is? He's crazy. He'll take any kind of bump. He'll take any kind of yeah. punishment to make the product better. Um, but ugh, they were brutal. Rock was. Kicking his ass. Um, something I noticed from this um, 
this little um, segment. It may have been just before, or it could have been just after. But there was a, you know, when they go to the um, commentator's table and they're, you know, hey, this is what's happening on the show, blah, blah, blah. There was this woman behind JR and King dancing very, very seductively. Um, I, she was dancing for the entire time that shot was on. I don't know what JR and King said. She was the weirdest looking lady and she was just grinding and just like <laughs> shaking her chest and stuff. And this little kid was in front of her, just staring right at her chest. I was like, holy crap, what is going on? <laughs> I don't know if it was just after that segment or just before, but I had to say it now before I forgot. But I was like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, damn, I didn't even notice that. That's a good eye. Good eye, Josh. I'm going to have to go back and check for that because that sounds that does sound pretty funny. Yeah, it was funny as all hell. She had this weird haircut that you would only get in like the early 2000s. And <laughs> like it was just, she was wearing like a turtleneck sweater. Like it was... It was it was a look, and she was rock like she was just going for it. Um, but yeah, I noticed that. Um, the only other thing I have to say about this segment is that why did the car, the limo, speed off when Rock threw Vince in there? That's Vince McMahon. He's the boss. I don't know why this car like skidded its tires and off it went. I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. All I could think of is maybe he just wanted to get Vince out of harm's way. Yeah. Oh yeah. But. <laughs> I mean, it was it was funny though, cause yeah, just you know, this guy who's supposed to take orders from Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon only rocked, rock, rock literally. What did he say? He says, "Get this asshole out of here." Something. And off like he that. goes. Yeah, I also lo- I also just wanted to uh, point out Rock's shirt was amazing. A very loud shirt. Oh yeah, it was very um, yeah, loud. Loud is the best word to use. Um, only Rock could do it. Yeah. Only Rock could do the on like the unbuttoned like bright red and black, just, like almost sequined. It kind of looked like shi- it was a shiny shirt. It was mm. unbuttoned with unbuttoned with like suit pants on, slacks, and just it it worked because the Rock is the Rock. The Rock is the Rock. That is definitely one way to put it. Rock is Rock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's see what else we got here. I think this. I, I, you're gonna have to. For, you're gonna have to. You know, fi, uh, fill me in if I'm missing things because I my notes are a little bit more scattered than they were for uh, Survivor Series '99. But next up, I got uh, TNA versus the Hardy Boys. That is correct. All right. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Like the backstage segments because there were so many. Yeah. I, I'm I, sure I, I missed some too. Don't worry. But yeah. I was kind of let you go. They, and they, if I feel it, yeah. I'll, I'll let you know. They cut back to Rock waiting for DX a bunch of times, like just sort of standing there in the parking lot. Okay, but yeah, TNA, the team of Albert and Test, with Trish Stratus accompanying them, young Trish Stratus, versus the Hardy Boys, Jeff and Matt. And I just wanted to point out, like, Albert and Test are both huge beings. They are big dudes. Um, And the way they both move in the ring is incredible because they're big lads yeah. and they move around like they're five foot 10 and you know, 200 pounds. They move, they do not move for the size. They are especially test Tess moves around. Damn. No, Tess is clear. They're both, their, their double team moves were effective. They did, a, they had some cool spots on the Hardys. Uh, at one point, Albert hit a little mini Cesaro swing. Oh yes. I've seen that. Just love to see it. Um, but uh, the Hardys oh, so over. 
holy shit. Oh my god, yeah. I was like, wow. I will say this, um, this is a, you know what, I don't even care. This is a knock on crowds in 2019. Um, Everyone got a reaction. Literally, there was was no non-reactions on this show. The crowd was loud for everybody. It, and which is cool. I, I did note at the, I did have this as a note too. The crowd is so much more packed and like stacked in, almost like dominoes, because there's so many people at this show. Now it's yep. kind of like people are sitting down, they're on their phones. It's a different world we live in, and it's a very different audience. There's, it's more family orientated now, um, and it and it's very much noticed by everybody that is much more a different audience um this attitude or a crowd or in some ways not in in everything i don't mean it is the same but they're much more like how an nxt takeover crowd are in the terms of um this isn't a knock on on anything but it's much more male dominated you can hear that um you can see that why there's still women and children in the audience i'm not saying that at all um but you can hear it it feels I don't know, that to me sounds like a wrestling crowd. Um, it's just a different world we live in, though, in terms of there was less distraction in the palm of the hand. Um, not yeah. everybody had a phone to look at, or if they did, you've certainly not been able to go on the internet in the year 2000. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> it's not like, and we didn't have social media, we didn't have, you know, all these other things, and... I guess the product was just hotter, obviously, then than now. But it just... Everyone was stacked in there. Everyone was much more lively. Like, TNA came out, that music hit, and even I was, woo, like, here we go. Crowd were pumped. It makes me pumped. I Sometimes when I'm watching Raw now, um, I almost get tired. And it's on in the morning for me. I shouldn't be getting tired just after I've had a sleep. But I almost get to the point where I'm sitting on my hands because there's not really much to sink my teeth into other than the main few segments. Um, matches were shorter. Matches were... Uh, more people were on in a shorter period of time and things had a sense of urgency. Um, that... Why Raw and SmackDown, WWE in general, show that now a lot. They have moments of senses of urgency. It isn't a constant, like, Everything you could tell, every single performer on this show wanted to outdo the last performance. Everyone had to follow what has just gone on, and that's just something that I think people are a bit. In my eyes, I think performers now are a bit too complacent in their spot. They're not pushing for further, or they're going, "I'm in the top spot," or "I'm in a top spot. I'm comfortable." Um, People never really seemed to be comfortable. They always wanted more back then. I think that's just the difference in the business um, and where the business has, has come and evolved to. It's just a different time. Um, but yeah, in this match in particular, the only thing that I really like noted was that Trish like ha- evolved so much in her character. Her promos, her look, her... She was obviously very green and this was obviously leading to spoiler alert again if you're watching Raws in 2000. But the introduction of Lita with the Hardy Boys and and that whole three on three kind of um, rivalry. And in a lot of ways, it was the start of Trish and Lita and stuff like that. You could see the numbers were getting to the Hardys. 
Um, but even in this short time, I enjoyed this match. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it, I thought it was fine. I, like, I thought because it was shorter, they had more of a sense of urgency. And as a result, that leads to a more energetic match and more a faster pace match. Uh, and obviously, with the four competitors in the ring being able to move so well, yeah, you're gonna you're not gonna have a lot of downtime. You're not. It's not gonna be slow. It's gonna be fast paced, rapid action, and that's ultimately what I want to see. And I think that's a, a thing that happened a lot on this show is that the matches were shorter. There weren't yeah. a lot of long matches, so you got but you got that energetic, that sense of urgency. Out yeah, of everybody. Yeah, and I know that while I absolutely love the fact that I I will debate this forever, we get much more better quality matches now than we did back then for the most part. Mm-hmm. There were still fantastic matches back in the Attitude Era. Their big matches delivered. It's knocked it out of the park. But we get on a more consistent basis a better quality match. The focus is more on the in-ring work than other things. But... For me, personally, um, this isn't the same for everyone, but for me personally, I like Raw and SmackDown to be segment and story heavy, and I like pay-per-views to be um, match heavy. That's that's my personal... If there was more... If there was less wrestling on Raw and SmackDown with more segments, I would be more adapt to watching it with my full attention. Because people are talking, there's there's stuff evolving in a story. Um, sure, I like the odd long match on Raw and SmackDown here and there, and, and title matches or big matches. I, I, I like that just as much as anyone else. But um, for me, I like Raw's to be segment and, and story-heavy, and then pay-per-views to be match-heavy. Um, and in this, there were faster matches. There were probably just probably a, the same number of matches on this show as we get on Raw any, every week anyway. It's just um, Raw's longer now, obviously. They have to fill an extra hour. Um, but I just prefer... This, this to me, this Raw was very story, very segment heavy, and I just prefer that Raw or SmackDown to what they do now. I couldn't agree more. I agree with you 100%. I think that what happens nowadays is that we get so many pay-per-view quality matches on Raw and SmackDown, even if they're not necessarily as good as they are on, you know, we get pay-per-view quality matchups, I should say, on Raw and SmackDown, and that dilutes sort of when you get to the uh, the get to the pay-per-views. Like we're inevitably we're probably going to see, for for example, we're probably going to see Rey Mysterio and Andrade on a pay-per-view, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a great match. Mm-hmm. We've already seen it a couple of times. They, that, that's just not how they did business back in 2000. Like you didn't get, you sure you got like, sure you got great matches on Raw and you, you got big name matches on Raw and SmackDown, but like like to your point, it was a lot more based on segments where you know if you got a big a big match, for example, I know the Raw after this one, uh, after May 22nd 2000, what was advertised was, was the Rock and an un, the Rock and Undertaker in a lumberjack match. Now that's a pay per view quality match, but it's like it's good to have one of those on Raw every now and again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sparingly, you have to space it, them yeah. out. Then getting, you make the yeah. show you make the show seem like a big deal, mm-hmm. but you also keep by, by, by not going to that well so many times. You make you keep pay per views fresh. Yeah, and that is a that is a big problem for um, WWE in this day and age. It just really is, but. 
It's not like... It, I mean, there's worse problems to have than the fact that we're getting great matches on Raw. It's just, I think, great matches on Raw, and this is just this is this me being an ass and me being picky, they're broken up by commercials. Therefore, for that two minutes, I'm taken out of the match, whether it's fantastic or not. I'm, I'm, I'm taken out of the match because I'm, I'm breaking from it. Um, I like to see, yeah. if I want to see a fantastic match, I'd rather watch it on the WWE Network where there's no ad breaks and I can watch it on Fastlane or I can watch it on Backlash or WrestleMania or whatever the pay-per-view may be. It's already been said by us and a million other people that there's way too many pay-per-views, but if you're going to have that many pay-per-views, make the matches matter. And if I'm seeing them on Raw or SmackDown, why the hell should I buy the network? To your point, that's a good point. And to your point about commercial breaks, I did notice, and I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive I'm, I'm right in saying this, that there wasn't one match on this Raw that had a commercial break in the middle of it. No, I didn't notice there that either. There was no break spot. matches. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, and that you're right, because commercial breaks and matches take you out of it, so you miss stuff. Mm-hmm. And especially on... I notice this a lot with the SmackDown doing screen and screen. Oh, we don't get Obviously, that here. We don't. Oh, okay. Uh, but so, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, right? And SmackDown does a little screen and screen where they play commercials, but they also have the action going on. I hate that. Really? Because sometimes they feel like they get that gives them – because obviously during commercials, they're not going to want to like put high spots or too much crazy action in. Yeah. But with the but you do sometimes miss on SmackDown in the little picture-in-picture thing. You miss like important stuff. Oh, so so does that picture-in-picture thing have sound or is it, um, is it silent? No. No, you hear, the, you hear the commercial sound. You don't hear the wrestling sound. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, we don't get that in Australia. That's a – um, American exclusive thing. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't. But... I don't like it. Oh well, there you go. You know? Anyway, but right. um, I, 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 to your point, I did notice that there was no break spot, and it didn't take away from any of the matches. All the matches on this show were fine. They were all. They all did its job. I wasn't going into this raw expecting five star classics. Um, so this first match was a perfect example of that. It did its job. It, it got where we where we're going with that. Obviously, like I alluded to before, this is all leading to the Hardys gaining leader, and we'll talk about leader more later in the show. But um, Trish provided the distraction. Test and Albert went over with the win. Test with a big, huge diving elbow drop, and that's what it was. It was four or five minutes. It did its job. It was entertaining for those four or five minutes. It got everybody where they needed to go. Yeah, and it furthered the story, too, because yeah. you have Trish providing a distraction leading to a a, a, a double-team sort of finish where, you know, you had Test, who was not the legal man coming in, hitting that elbow, and yep. then Albert rolling over and getting the pin. So now you have a story to go from there There's because they didn't win. There's five people. There's five people that they just evolved and elevated in four minutes. It takes yeah. WWE... 15 minutes now to do the same for two people and it always leads to someone looking way better than the other no one out of these five people looked bad in this situation it Mm -hmm. got a heel over which is something that wwe in this day and age i don't think is that great at doing they do the same formula for the heels all the time um booking a heel to me is simple 
cheat, make it known that they're cheating, and make the commentators let us know that they're cheating. There has been too many times that I can count in the past two or three years that a heel has grabbed the tights of a face wrestler in a roll-up and not one commentator is noticing it. That is a problem to me. And I don't know if it's a thing with, if it's just me being a little bitch, but that's a problem to me. A heel is a heel. They cheat. They're dirty. Michael Cole, JR, Tom, Dick or Harry. They should notice that a heel is cheating and the referee cannot see it. It makes us hate that heel more. I love Trish Stratus, but in this case, she was cheating. She was being just not very good. And I was like, damn, they're cheating. I want the Hardys to win. Faces and heels in this day and age, I always go for the heel. I'm I'm more adapt to a heel 90% of the time. Back then, maybe it was just because I was a kid, but even just watching this for what it was, I wanted the Hardys to win. I want the Hardys to get this numbers shit I don't want. You know what I mean? Like, it's a good thing. And JR was losing his mind. It's just something that I think is a bit lost now, and it's... Yeah, I, I think heels are, like, infinitely cooler nowadays because, A, I feel like they get the better material. Yeah. And, B, I don't... I feel like WWE just doesn't know how to book faces anymore. Like, they don't have too many characters that you could really get behind as sympathetic besides Becky Lynch, I guess. There's a few, and... But the, it's, maybe. You know, it's, a, it's a handful of people that I can really name now. Um... Now, while I said I think booking a heel is probably easier than booking a face, I wouldn't like to be an exclusive writer or booker for a face because it is harder because it can it can go sour so fast. But yeah. if you just have these heels doing horrible things and making you dislike them, it makes it so much... It, you, we always got to find someone we like. We're always going to easily find someone we don't like. But give us a reason... Why, why we want to like that person. Even if it just means best of a bad bunch, we don't like that heel so much that we want this face to kick their ass. That to me is, at its essence, wrestling is still the same as it was 50 years ago. It, 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 at its core, it's still the same to me. Um, mm-hmm. And this could just be me ranting and just talking out of my ass because I do that sometimes and I understand that and not everyone's going to agree with me. But I just think it's a little bit... It's just kind of lost now in the sense of heels cheat, heels do dirty things, and no one's really mentioning it um, in a lot of terms. But if, like, to, to bring it back to this Raw, like I said, JR was losing his crap that Trish Stratus was providing the distraction, and JR would make us feel what he's feeling. I feel like JR believes in a baby face. JR. Yeah is like the Hardys are getting done dirty and Trish is up there um, distracting while the uh, illegal opponent, uh, a competitor comes in and hits the um, legal opponent for the win by Albert. Like it just, he made it mean more than in that four minutes, everyone did their job. Commentators are a very big part of the show. They're on literally nearly every, they're on every segment, essentially. Um, They have a job to do and, we could go on and on about commentary, but, I mean, JR and King did their job. And it was two people. One was a heel. One was a face. There was no, this gray area where sometimes JR would go, JR went for the faces. JR was a baby face. And he helped those baby faces 
build sympathy and he helped us, the audience, you know, who's the majority of people are watching at the world and watching on television than in that arena. Everyone that heard us, we hear that I hear the commentators a lot. I know you've said in the past that you um, can kind of tune out commentators a little bit, but JR is telling us to believe in the Hardys, and if he's that passionate about it, you're at least going to listen. And I just think it's a bit lost now. We, you know, we're comparing things a lot, but it just this match to me, out of every segment on this card, did its job the most. I don't know. I, I mean, you're not. No, I think that's a good point. I think it's a good point because, like you mentioned, it got you know you had four or five, you had five different people involved in this match. Further their own stories. You have Trish becoming it. Trish is a threat. Tess and Albert are a threat because they won the match, but they needed a cheat to beat the Hardys, which makes the Hardys a threat because, you know, could they beat them clean? Yeah. And JR, it's it's a lost start, man. I commentary. It really is. JR is, I know on our last Reverb Rewind, we were a little critical of JR and King. And I think that was rightful. I think that was rightfully so. Yeah. But I only noticed good things about Jr. and King, mainly Jr. tonight. Jr. Yeah. just—they, they, they, people refer to him as the best for a reason. He really pours his heart and soul into the into the job. Oh yeah, he really does. He makes you believe. Um, but anyway, moving on. What was what was next up on this episode of Raw? Okay. So we had another segment where The Rock was just waiting out, and they they cut to The Rock waiting out in the parking lot for DX again. Um, and then we had Eddie Guerrero with China, accompanied by China. He's the European champion, and he's defending the belt against D'Lo Brown. Now, there's two side, there are two arguments here that I know it's a, I know it's even pop. It's still like an argument today, and that's whether or not title matches should be held so often on Raw and SmackDown as opposed to pay per views. I don't know where you weigh in, but I all I always enjoy bolstering Raw with a title. I, I don't care if the titles get flip-flopped. I don't care if the titles get defended like every week. I enjoy watching title matches because that's a match that has stakes. That's a match that I want to watch. That's a match that I want to see what happens next. I want to see. I don't. I, I, maybe there's a new champion. I want to tune in. On Raw, t- I, Raw nowadays, you know if there's a title match, it's probably not. There's Even if there is one, which is not often, um, there's probably not going to be a title change because they always save them for pay-per-views now. But I love that, that that entity of surprise that the old days used to have. And I I don't mean to sound like I'm just harping on Raw today and wishing for the old days because there's a lot there's a lot to not like about the Attitude Era. Um, going back to the last segment, their fans were chanting, "We want puppies at Trish." That's not great. I don't condone that. I don't want that at all. But as far as Eddie Guerrero, D'Lo Brown for the Euro- for the European title goes, I like it. I like having title matches on weekly television. I don't know where you weigh in. Um, I'm not. I'm. I wouldn't say I'm the same as you. I don't like seeing title matches all the time on on TV, but every now and again, I like to see it. Like you said, and especially back then. And again, we're not just shitting all over the product now because we've stated many times that we love the product now. We really do, for the most part. Um, but I, I don't mind seeing a title match on Raw. It certainly happened more often back then than it does now, and title changes happen more often back then than it does now. Um, but yeah, I have. If you see a title match back then on Raw, um, you're watching very intently because 
it's more than likely that this title could, if not will, change hands. Yeah, honestly, I just, I just wanted to, men- I just wanted to bring up that point before we even got to the match because it was something I noticed that I've seen that debate on Twitter so much over title matches frequently on Raw and SmackDown, or you know, every time there's an open title, open a title open challenge, people are like, oh, you shouldn't do this on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, I, don't I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I always just felt that, you know, I, I like I like seeing title matches. You know, at, at heart, the name of the game is in wrestling is titles. You want to want to you want to be a champion, and so I I enjoy seeing a lot of people get shots at shots at the belt. Yeah, no, I get that. I get where you're coming from, definitely. So this match wasn't much. It was again short, for, uh, part of the course. You know, it, for what it was, there was there was some good action. I thought in it um yeah. and then i just wanted to point like obviously we talked about this a bit on the last reverb rewind but the godfather is just such a he comes out makes a little uh inter- not an interference spot but a distraction spot eddie's able to roll up d'lo for the win retain the title the crowd loves the godfather yeah you could hear you could hear them just perk up the minute he came out yeah I mean, same. I love The Godfather, too. We talk about, like, things with women and and stuff like that, but there were certain elements of what they did that I was, like, yeah, okay, it's a little demeaning and stuff like that, but for what it was, if you're just watching it for a television show, it was fine by me. I just didn't like when they used Mm -hmm. wrestlers too much as that role. Um, which they did a lot. But yeah. for what this was, it added to The Godfather. It was his character, whatever. I love The Godfather. Um, I do have to say, before we talk about The Godfather more, um, just how great was the dynamic of Eddie Guerrero and China? That, to me, was just so great. Yeah. I just really liked yeah. them two together. Um, and, you know, with the flower, I believe, she- did he give her flowers or something? Or she had he did. flowers? He gave- yeah. He gave her, like, a bouquet of roses. Yeah. It was very nice. And I was just like, this is just... I just remember all of that, and it was just such a cool little... It didn't... I don't recall it lasting a very long time. I could be wrong. It could have lasted for ages, but I don't recall that lasting too long. But for what it was, it was really fun. And um, Eddie Guerrero was just such a larger-than-life character, and Eddie was great. So was China. China's character work is something that people don't talk about that much, but she did her role very great in this situation with Eddie, and... I just really like that dynamic. Yeah, like you said, this match was short. You didn't really get to see a lot from Eddie. But, again, this segment did what it needed to do. Yeah, I mean, you got you got a little bit of that. You, know, you got a little bit of action. You got some flash. Um, not too much. But you got it got Eddie his retention. It made D'Lo look good for what, you know, he needed to lose via distraction. And... There were, like, I think every match on the show did finish with some sort of like distraction or disqualification finish, <laughs> which uh, that in in mass I don't know I don't know if I like necessarily I like to see some clean finishes. Oh yeah, but it's basic. It's wrestling one on one that the heel is going to cheat to win, like we like we just talked about. And it makes sense, so I can't really knock it too much. Uh, because... Yeah, it, it is what it is. I wouldn't like to... I know that's a thing back then that happened. used to happen a lot more than it didn't, though, was interference and, you know, 
yeah. non-clean finishes and, and whatever. But that's not a knock. It just was a different... It did what it did, and it got everyone where they needed to go. Um, it's just a literally a wild time. It was. It was. A, it was just a. It was. You used the used the euphemism the wild wild west before. And I think that's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah. You, you just didn't really know what was gonna happen. Everything. Everyone just sort of did what they wanted, and the rule of law wasn't too much because the the rule of law was the was the McMahon's, and they were so busy doing their own thing, hovering around, you know, doing their own dirty work. But they didn't have time to. They didn't have time to check up on whether or not Godfather's interfering in this match. Yeah. They didn't, have, they didn't have time to discipline Trish Stratus for getting up on the apron. They're busy. They're trying. They're trying, trying to, to steal the WWF title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, before we move on, um, we'll let let's hear from a few of our little friends with a couple of ads here and there. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Yo, 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 everyone. This is your NKK Double G speaking. And if you're hearing this, I can't help but notice you must be a wrestling fan. So, of course, I'd like to tell you about GG Vision, a YouTube channel dedicated to making you laugh like an idiot and compete like a gladiator. With weekly content featuring the main event, the in ring rundown, a wrestling satirical recap show similar to the Mark Remark that gives you a nice breakdown of everything that happens at WWE's flagship shows. Sprinkled with my own personal touch of commentary, of course, so it might be just a little bit different than what you're used to. But that is not all. Compete against myself or other smashers and enjoy weekly highlights showcasing all the lovely falcon knees and punches you could ask for. Battle for prize money in Metronominal, a Pokemon League on Showdown dedicated to metronome battles only that become far more intense than they should be. So if you're looking for a wrestling channel that comes with just a few extra goodies, one that strives to involve its members, join us fellow outlaws and enjoy the show. This has been Man From Earth with all the girth, telling you to be the character that you know you're worth. See you soon. Welcome to Wrestling on Cameras Podcast, where I discuss all things WWE, available on Apple Podcasts, Part of Manicat and Spotify. The blog is available on wrestlingonkaren.blogspot.com. Alrighty, Kev, where are we at on this Raw now? Again, Wild Wild West, what's next? Okay, so yeah, speaking of the Wild Wild West, you have X Pac and Road Dog rolling into the building, getting out of an, yet another limousine, and they're accompanied, uh, you know, who comes running up by Gerald Briscoe. <laughs> Uh, who is the hardcore? I was gonna say hardcore he's the champion. hardcore champion, Jared Briscoe. To you, sir, he's wearing—he's just wearing the belt, you know, all <laughs> casual like. And he's trying to warn them about what happened to, to Vince, but they're not listening to him. And that—that's a theme in this show: is that no one listens to Gerald Briscoe. <laughs> he tries to warn everybody, and just no, no one listens to him. But yeah, so immediately after they get out of the limo, Rock sneaks up behind him with a pipe. Takes him out, throws him in the back of a truck, like an 18-wheeler type, like a semi, and Clint locks them in. I mean, awesome. I mean, I must say, the just the hardcore champion, though, the hardcore champion got away from this situation. Let's let's just note that Gerald Briscoe, the hardcore champion, was gone. He was Jerry was out of there. He ran. He ran oh, away. Yeah. He got, he got out. He got out scot-free. You know? Thank God. What if, he's lucky The Rock didn't want to take his hardcore title from him right then and there. <laughs> or, X, or X-Pac or Road Dog, for that matter. I mean, it wouldn't have been, it could have been that hard. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> terrible. That was... Sorry, folks. Uh, that's the end of this episode. <laughs> anyway, um, after we've seen hardcore champion uh, Gerald Briscoe... That's a sentence. Um... 
what uh, what is exactly next? Because my notes are scattered here. All right, next up, uh, after I wrote down, this show is a trip, <laughs> <laughs> we then got, um, to the best of my knowledge, and I'm pretty, this, this seems about right, we had Edge, Christian, and Kurt Angle versus Too Cool and Rikishi. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That promo from Edge, Christian, and Kurt Angle at the start was just magnificent. We talked oh, about was, promos yeah. earlier, and this is it one was, that just was, was wow. Great burns from everybody. The five-second pose with, you know, the Bob, the whole Bobby Knight reference, the Reggie Miller reference, per, all perfect for Indianapolis. That, that's the – it's it's something that you, you see heels go to a lot, but it's because it works. It's just yeah. to make fun of the town you're in. You're yeah. going to get heat. It's so they, easy. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> we've, seen, like, we've seen Elias do it to great success, especially in Seattle. Oh, he <laughs> did it in Australia too. When we were here for the Super Showdown, he crapped all over us because we were cheering yeah. him. Um, I don't know if this... You watched the Super Showdown, I'm assuming? Yes. Um, so, you know, not to divert too much, but I don't think I've really ever talked about this on this show. Um, you know, 80,000 strong in at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, and we were honestly, at least in the section that I was in, quite, uh, quote-unquote, smart marks. We were all going for the bad guy, um, as you do. Um, but Elias come in, he played this. Did, I don't know if this showed on, it's cut out from the network now. Um, but he played some ACDC at the start and everyone was cheering and it was all, you know, very Australian. And then he started crapping on some, um, Australian rules football teams. And that's when it all went sour for him. It works. It just yes, to my it point, works. it works wherever you are in the world. There's some kind of sport going on. Shit on him. Shit all over him if you're a heel. Because there's no way that you, a home town or a home country, whatever, will cheer you for it. For the most part. We got... There was a few little cheers from us just because we didn't like the football team. But for the most part, Melbourne didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I can imagine. It, it's not fun when your your hometown gets crapped on. Except it kind of... It, I, I, it kind of is. It is. I'm not from Melbourne. I'm 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 not from Melbourne. So I was like, this is fine yeah. by me. But just the feeling of it, with you know, a majority of people booing, you kind of want to just tag along. Like you're just like, okay, I'm just going to be a sheep here and join along. Um. So, hey, I didn't. Uh, yeah. yeah. Ra hasn't been in my hometown. Ra hasn't been in my hometown since Elias debuted. Oh wow. So I haven't gotten to hear. I haven't gotten to hear him because I live in a I I have a small this like a pretty small venue near my house uh, yep. in Wilkes Bear, mm-hmm. and it's not on their regular rotation for shows. Their SmackDown's actually there on Tuesday. Oh, that's that's tomorrow. It, or, that's that that's tomorrow or today your time. It's tomorrow still for me because SmackDown's on okay, a Wednesday. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure, okay, we'll figure it out. That's it. <laughs> Back anyway. Yeah. Um. Fun fact about Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. It, it it was the host of the Raw where Vince McMahon died. Oh. Well, yes. There you go. I did not Just know that. Just a little fun fact. But yeah, Elias hasn't been through yet, so I'm, 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 I can't wait till Raw comes around and I get to hear what he has to say because it's not a great place. So are you – just a brief kind of segment buffer here, but – so how, are you far from Philly? Uh, about two hours, okay. I'd say. Okay. Because Raw's in Philly on... today. Yeah, Raw's yeah. in Philly, then SmackDown's in Wilkes-Barre. It's about two hours. Okay, fair, fair. 
Anyway. <laughs> Anywho, back to the reverb rewind. Uh, again, the story of this isn't really the match. You know, you had some good action. The, There's a bit of a brawl on the stage to start it. But uh, at the, in the end of the day, Edge hits, I think he hit either, he hit either Scotty or Grandmaster Sexy with the title belt and Angle rolled him up with a small package. Again, it's not about the match quality, it's about the story. And, the and again, again, he was cheated. He was cheated. Yes. And JR lost they his did. mind. <laughs> yes, they did. And it's, it's really all there is to say. It's a formula they cut and pasted throughout the show, but it's because it works. It's because it's how it's supposed to go. Yeah, and also noted that Kurt Angle did a just a beautiful small package. It was like a... I thought he was almost going for Lamahi Straw, but he didn't. He turned it into a small package, and I was like, whew, damn, that was very wrestling of you. It was... I don't know. <laughs> I just liked it. Yeah, it was crisp. I liked it. It was very Kurt Angle. It was very Kurt Angle of him. Uh, we talked about, like, on um, our last ep on our Wrestling Reverb Live, um, you know, when we are talking about uh, Reverb Rewind, and you were very interested in seeing where Kurt Angle had come since his um, Survivor Series debut on the 99 edition. This is, what, six months, seven months, eight months later, and Kurt's with Edge and Christian shitting all over a town, and it was perfect. Yeah. He's come a long oh, yeah. way. <laughs> He was. He was really good at it, and it's, you know... He was such a baby, it, too. Like, even in his voice in that, I noticed. I was like, oh, you're so young. <laughs> yeah, he's so young, full head of hair. Did, did, just didn't know what the next 20 years are going to hold for him. No. Ah, Kurt. Kurt, 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 Kurt. Kurt's great. Edge and Christian are great, too. Guess what? So are Too Cool and Rikishi. That was cool. Um, I enjoyed... Again, another not incredibly long match, probably the longest match of the whole night, to be honest with you. Um, but it did what it did. It the finish was what I remember, and at the end of the day, you should remember the finish. In my opinion, if you're not remembering the finish, then the match isn't really doing its job. So yeah, it did what it did, and it moved us on to the next thing. The next thing we're getting back to the we're getting, well before we even get to the. Because next next up is uh, Shane, but we did get a little sneak at the cover of Business Week magazine. Oh, <laughs> how could we forget? And who was gracing the cover of this fine this fine magazine? But Linda McMahon and Kane. Mm. And I will note and- that the commentator said the only good McMahon. Linda McMahon. Linda. Yes, they did. They're not they are right on. The only the only good egg out of the bunch. Linda. Man, it's and been a long time since we've seen Linda McMahon on WWE programming. I I, I can't Forever. remember the last time I seen Linda. The last actual memory I have of Linda McMahon on WWE TV is her getting taking the worst Stone Cold Stunner I have ever seen. Um where he it was Raw Homecoming when they first went back to USA in like 2005. And yeah, I think I know just, the one you're talking He just about. stunned all of the McMahons. And Linda just took, man, it was a rough stunner. Um, but that was, I think, quote me, anybody that's listening to this, come at me on Twitter, at Wrestling Reverb, and tell me that I'm wrong. But I believe that is the last time Linda McMahon's been on WWE television. I think. It's not something I can remember, certainly. I mean, she's bit, she's busy now. She, yeah. You know, being in 
Donald Trump's cabinet and all. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. Not going to go there. No, anyway, no, no. <laughs> anyway, back to Shane. Because Shane's coming out next. He arrives backstage. Here comes Jerry Briscoe again, hardcore uh, champion. Hardcore champion Jerry Briscoe to you, hardcore, Kevin. Yes, my bad. <laughs> Mr. Hardcore champion Jerry Briscoe comes running, trying to tell him what happened to his dad, trying to tell him what happened to Road Dog and X-Pac. And Shane's just like, Jerry, it's going to be fine. We're going to be fine, uh, yada, yada, yada. But comes out to the ring and cuts a it's the really good, sniveling little shit heel promo. Yep. <laughs> about his about his big victory over the big show the previous night at Judgment Day. Uh big. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> um, this show's show. full of puns. Yeah, it's a, it's a very punny show. The uh he showed some pictures of the match uh which which included uh, looked like Bull Buchanan who was we'll t- who we'll see later helping him tip on he t- like a, like a, like a just some sort of box in the in the soundstage area. They Sound- said that Big Show, his, his knee was torn to heck, quote-unquote, from JR. And he had a concussion for getting hit in the head with a cinder block. So we didn't get to see Big Show on this episode of Raw because he was dealing with that. Oh, damn. We got to Shane just tearing him down, putting himself on a pedestal, as only a McMahon could do. It was, it was very good. I thought it was very well done by Shane. Yeah, honestly, Shane... And guess what? Um, people like to complain about Shane McMahon, but even now, Shane still cuts a really good promo. He knows what he's doing on the microphone. Um, so even and back then, just Shane McMahon is very natural when he talks. Um, he certainly has that from his father. Um, all the McMahons do, with the maybe the exception of Linda. Um, she wasn't a great talker, but she's the only good McMahon though, so it doesn't matter. Um, yes, but yeah. Cool promo. Um, I liked what it did, and it was just just a cocky, cocky promo from Shane. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. It really makes you want to see what happens next, which is, you know, as Shane's cutting this promo, here comes The Rock. Oh, yes. Another appearance from The Great One. They fight into the crowd. Rock takes him out the door. That's the last we see of them for now. Next up. Chris Benoit defends the Intercontinental Championship against Val Venus. Val mm. Venus. Val Venus. And the, you know uh, what? WWE's resident porn star, uh, Val Venus. Yes. Yes, that's important. That's important. No. <laughs> this wasn't bad at all. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I actually really enjoyed this match. <laughs> I, I, I noted, like... I noted my notes go from like Val Venus, what to interesting to this could be actually a good match, and then it, it was pretty good, you know, some good some good good chain wrestling from Benoit. Yeah, Venus is pretty damn good in the ring too. You know, he's not he's not Chris Benoit. He's not that good. No, but Benoit he, he is, um, like just looking at his wrestling work. Chris Benoit is one of the best technical wrestlers I have ever seen. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Just, um, all of the stuff that happened after obviously happened, and it is a shame if you just look at his wrestling work of how great he was in the ring. I don't think I've seen bell to bell someone that crisp at everything they do. 
if Chris Benoit stuffed up anything in the ring, I certainly didn't notice because if he is quote unquote botching, he's making it look like it is in a botch and it was meant to fucking happen. Um, yeah, no, this this was seamless. Everything everything here was just executed well, very crisp, very sound he's, he's wrestling. Just someone that can elevate anybody he's in the ring with, no matter yes, their ability. He he elevated makes, about- yeah. Um, he makes everybody look as good as Chris Benoit. And he just is very good at what he does. There's not too many people that I can list off the top of my head that are just bell to bell a better technical wrestler than, than Benoit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, we didn't really get, we did not get to see a finish to the match because out came hardcore Holly. And he just wailed on both Benoit and Val Venus with the ch- with the chair shots to the head, Damn. which were very tough to watch. Damn, Hardcore <laughs> Holly did not hold back. He never did, ever. No, he um, never did. He was a stiff guy. He was always one that, um, if you were watching, you'd be like, "Ooh!" If you recall, I don't know if you've ever watched the old Tough Enoughs, but he was on Tough Enough, and whew, he used to beat the absolute piss out of people on Tough Enough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was, hey, at the end of the day, it, it was, for us, it was funny to watch in some ways. Yeah, it was, enter- it was entertaining because we didn't have to be there taking I would shit. not like to be, I would not like to be on the receiving end of that because, ouch. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Anyway, yeah, Holly comes out and smashes Benoit and Venus with the chair. Um, I hate. I hate watching the headshots, especially with Benoit knowing what what knowing what we know now. Uh, that's it, true. It's very it, it's a little cringy. It's very cringy, very hard to watch. But um, you know, Hardcore Hall is walking back up the ramp, and all of a sudden, Chris Jericho's music hits. Oh, yay! I love Chris Jericho. Drops him with a chair shot, and that's the end of that's the end of that. So. And Benoit had defended the belt against Jericho, I believe, the night before. And Jericho was coming to his aid this evening. So there's story there, too. I mean, Jericho... So, okay. This is another example of... You don't have to be on television for 20 minutes to make yourself relevant. Chris Jericho was on this show. I'm not even kidding. Was he on the screen for, like, 45 seconds? Maybe. Maybe. If that. And from all of this segment, he was the one I remembered the most. And he was on the show for 45 seconds. That's an easy night's work, in my opinion. I'd like to work for 45 seconds and do my job correctly. Um, And probably get paid quite nicely to do it. Um, In 45 seconds or less, Chris Jericho was the star of this, this whole segment. Really. Um, he was the most popular. Jericho just lit up a room that he walked into. I know I'm biased because he is my favorite, but Jericho is just very good at that. He is larger than himself. And he's, he is a magnet for attention. Like he, he, his music hits, he comes on the screen and you pay attention. Oh God. Yeah, you do. It's just something that not everybody has and you can't really necessarily teach that stuff. I don't think it's, you have it or you don't. Um, sure you can constrain some pushes behind it to make people kind of, you walk into a room, people look at you, but there is just something about Chris Jericho that they were feuding over the IC title. There was obviously a lot going on with the IC title. 
with Benoit and Jericho, um, they mentioned that they had a match at Judgment Day. Um, Jericho passed out in the Crippler Crossface. Um, yes. So obviously they're building towards other things, but in this segment alone, it made me want to watch what's going on with those four guys and the IC title. Yeah, no, I, I want to see you know where they go. Where do they go from there? Because it looks like they're setting up for like a you know a, a, a reluctant tag team of Jericho and Benoit for at least for the next Raw. It makes you want to tune in and see what happens and where that belt goes because those are four really solid competitors that could all be Intercontinental Champion at least at the, at, at that time. Yeah. And as someone who actually doesn't remember what happens next, uh, I'm I'm curious, definitely. Well, I wouldn't know exactly what happens next. Um, I kn- no, that would have been... I don't know. Jericho and Benoit had a lot of matches. I remember that very vividly. And they were all very good. That's not a knock. Um, I remember them having a very good ladder match at a pay-per-view... So, who knows? Maybe that leads into that. Maybe that was before this. I'm not really sure, but, man, it almost makes me want to go back and watch it all, because... And that's saying something for the IC title. Um, The IC title has gone through many different phases. Many. Yeah, some good, some bad. Right at this this moment, it was one of the... It was a premier title, a prestigious title. Yeah, and everybody wanted it. I wanted someone to get it. Now, to me, like I'm genuinely trying to think, oh, it's Finn Balor. Finn Balor is the IC champ. I, I actually genuinely forgot who the IC champ was. Um, but, I mean, it is what it is. We can't dwell on that for too much because we don't book the shows. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed this dang segment. Everybody in it, I was just like, yep, I like this. <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone got themselves into a better place after, like, with this segment. Yep. Okay. Moving right along. I think I could be wrong. I think there was an, a segment in between here where Gerald Briscoe was just out in the parking lot waiting for Triple H. Yeah. Um, nothing nothing much of note, just uh, that I love uh, Gerald I'm Briscoe. Sorry, oh, hard- I yeah, I, I'm not sure who Gerald Briscoe is. I know who the Hardcore Champion is. You could just say Hardcore Champion, and people know who we're talking the, about, though. So it's the fun. Hardcore Champion. <laughs> <laughs> the Hardcore Champion was out in the parking lot waiting for Triple H, presumably to beat his ass. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, maybe Triple yeah, H is looking for that Hardcore title, you know, and he knows that he's going to find it on Gerald Briscoe. So, I mean... You never know. Maybe Stephanie uh, uh, wants a reign. Maybe she does. You never know. After that, after that, that absolute beacon of a segment, we then got the Dudley Boys of Array and Devon taking on Bull Buchanan and the Big Boss Man. Yeah, this didn't. I, this was like probably my least favorite <laughs> segment of the night. Uh, not much going on. Nope. Now you got the 3D, you got the 3D, you got the, you get the pop. You know, the, the crowd was chanting for tables, didn't get tables. Kind of what you want all the time, I guess. Oh, yeah, always a, always a big fan of a table. Nice table. Sturdy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we could, re- we could really, what? we could really, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, obviously WWE's tables are far from sturdy, but like, for, for example, my table that I have my drink on right now, not gonna break if I jump on it. 
Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so, on a desk. I'm sitting at a desk right now, so I'm sure if someone chokeslammed me onto it, I'm not going to break through it. It's just sturdy. Yeah, WWE driving. tables, not so much. You could put, put books on it. You could put, you know, coffee table. You could put coffee on it. But you could also take a choke slam on it, and it'll hold up. That would hurt That's, that's part of a good table. <laughs> oh, where the, where the hell are we? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, 3D for the win. Dudley's win. Not much there. We can kind of gloss over it. This is, I think this is, like, the one of the only things where, you know, probably the only finish where we... There was a distraction. There were distractions involved, but the good guys went over. <laughs> and then next up, I think we had, a, we had another, yet another Gerald Briscoe, uh, yet another hardcore champion segment. They're really putting the hardcore champion over on the show. Well, not that he needs it. He, no, he, he's... Hey, he'll take it. You hear those reactions? My God. Hey, before we, like, go on... We could probably do a whole reverb rewind on hardcore championship title changes because some people are legitimately like 20-time hardcore champions. I believe Raven's like a 25-time hardcore champion. And like we could literally have hours where we talk about every single hardcore title change. And that hardcore championship was only introduced in, like, 1999. And it only ran until, like, 2003. Like, there wasn't... A- it just was an absolute hot potato. It got it changed all over the place. Backstage, I, on the ring. I loved that one in the bouncy house. Oh, my so God. I loved the 24-7 rule in the hardcore title because it made that championship different. Sure, it wasn't very, quote-unquote, hardcore like, like Gerald Briscoe is, but... I mean, it was just <laughs> just a fun seg, just fun segments. Like I remember WrestleMania eighteen, and maybe it was WrestleMania seventeen. No, eighteen. Marty Molly was hardcore champion. She got beat by Christian with a frying pan. <laughs> See, the- like that, yeah, that's that's what the hardcore title brought to the table. That, I that like is that what- kind of nuttiness in wrestling sometimes. That's just pure comedy, pure stupidity, and I'm sign me up for it. I know some people weren't a fan of that. I un- I know that there's people that weren't really into that, but I'm all for it. I'd love to go back and watch just like a YouTube clip just entirely of hardcore championship title changes because that would be a lot. And we have Gerald Briscoe to thank for all of that. Yeah, well, the greatest hardcore champion of all time, Gerald Briscoe. Oh, there's my Music cat. To my I don't ears. know if you just heard my cat. She's crying into the microphone. Go away, cat. <laughs> <laughs> she has opinions on Gerald Briscoe. Yeah, she's just... ready here. You want to come and talk about Gerald Briscoe? Oh, sorry, hardcore champ. She walked off. <laughs> oh, she must. She must be a must not be a Briscoe fan. <laughs> Jealous of his success, perhaps as hardcore champion. <laughs> Anywho, we've gone on about tables and cats and what, what what the hell happened next on this show? Yeah, we'd be okay. Let's get back we'll get back to the show for like the next couple minutes before we go off on a tangent again. Um, next up was we had we had a little backstage segment with Crash Holly and the oh, APA. Yes, I love Crash. Crash Holly. Crash carrying around carrying around the the scale. Oh yeah. Allegedly of 400 pounds. Allegedly. He's got beef, he's got beef with the APA. Well, he pours yeah. a beer on Brad. They're not taking him seriously until he pours a beer on Bradshaw's head. And then we're treated to 
just a couple minutes of Bradshaw just absolutely murdering him. <laughs> he really did. Um, when Crash no, went to drink like... that beer, and Farouk's just like, hey, <laughs> you old enough to drink that beer? And Crash is just chucking a yeah. tantrum. <laughs> yeah, let's drink that beer. <laughs> like, yes. Crash is yeah, great. I'm... Crash is very yeah, underappreciated. Crash, Crash was really good. He, he was, was just funny. really entertaining. He, um, you know, obviously wasn't the biggest dude on the show. He wasn't the top level dude. But, you know, in all seriousness, he made the 24-7 rule of the hardcore title. He was the one who, who started it and, and pioneered it and it become what it become. But he was yeah. just fantastic and just... Like I said, a very underappreciated character of, of wrestling. Because um, mm-hmm. every time he was on the screen, I laughed. You wanted to, even if you was to make fun of him, it was funny. And he just owned that role. And he was, my God, very good at taking a beating. As well as Bradshaw, yeah. very good at giving one out. Oh, yeah. No one gives a beating like Bradshaw. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. That's that was like th- you almost want to slap a not safe for work tag on this match because it was just oh that clothesline oh, like, at the end oh yeah Ooh. oh the shot the you know the the shots with everything the, the two by four oh, shot man trash cans involved the lid involved oh my god I know Poor that crap. Bradshaw had a reputation for being a little uh little snug little sniff in the ring but yeah. um. Man, if if he wasn't hurting Crash a lot, he damn made sure he looked like he was. And I guess, yeah, really, I mean, I guess that's the aim of the game. Yeah, 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 you're, you're, you're definitely. Uh, he he did he did what he needed to do really well. He he needed to look like an absolute badass, and he came across as an absolute badass. Yep. So that was that was that. Next up, we had oh Triple H and Stephanie finally arrived. Finally, they're just a little late to their job, but they're finally a here. Late, a little late to their show. He's the WWF champion, but he you know, shows up like and she's an the women's after. champion. And That's true. They're the, they're the top men's and women's champions on on the show, and they're showing up like an hour and a half into a two hour show. Honestly, very insane. Stephanie very noted here. I noted this here, and I don't know why. And this is again me just being a bitch. But Stephanie doesn't know how to hold a championship. <laughs> she was how holding, she holding it really it? weird. How was she holding it? Uh, she just like had it like it's hard to explain over a podcast because you can't see me. But like she had it yeah. over her shoulder, but she was holding it from like the the side plate instead of like she was holding it at the bottom of its like of the strap almost. And it was really I don't know why it was just nitpicky to me. I was just like, why are you holding the title like that? Hold it normally like. How you hold it at the front plate and like hold it over your um over your shoulder, but she was like holding it down below. It was just really weird, and I don't know why. Just wear it like Gerald Briscoe wears the Hardcore Championship. But yeah, well, he's the champion of the champions. He is yeah. what you model yourself after. So how intimidated? How intimidated do you think Triple H was when he stepped into the room and realized that the Hardcore Champion is waiting for him? Well, he probably shit his pants. I would have. Yeah. That's not someone I'd like I, to get I, into a, a fight I, with. I, I almost did, honestly, just watching yeah, that. Yeah, I was but scared. I, I was scared for my own safety and the safety of everyone around the hardcore champion. Um, but we digress, of course, because we've got some other lower-tier champions that we need to talk about in Triple H and Stephanie. Yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, Triple H, <laughs> Triple H said, you know, he hears, from, he hears from the hardcore champion about what happened tonight. 
Finally, listen. Finally, someone decides to show some sense and listen to Briscoe. Yeah. No one had, and they all got their asses beat for it. But Triple H says he's going to go looking for The Rock. Him and Steph and Gerald leave the room, and who's who's in the room, sort of lurking in the shadows, but The Rock himself, very creepy, like decides mm. not to jump. Mm. It was creepy. It was it was very it was well done. It was but it was creepy. Oh, it was yeah, like it was creepy. <laughs> he sort of slithers out of the shadows, just chilling there. Yeah, so there was that. Next up, okay. Next up, I think was the interview with Shawn Michaels with by Michael Cole. Oh yes, very so, young Michael Cole, yeah, very, very young, young Shawn Michaels. Michaels. Yeah. So, a little backstory: uh, in the previous night's WWF title match, a sixty-minute Iron Man match, Shawn Michaels was the guest referee. It was Triple H versus The Rock. Shawn Michaels is the guest referee. Now. When the, it was five to five with like, I think a couple minutes left. Undertaker came out because DX was trying to help Triple H. Undertaker came out, cleared house, and choke slammed Hunter. But it was right as Shawn Michaels, who had taken a bump to the outside, it was right as he was sort of getting his wits about him. He saw the choke slam, and he disqualified The Rock for it because Undertaker was helping The Rock, quote unquote. And that's what gave Triple H the win, and the, he won the WWF title based off of that ruling. So Cole interviewed him because there was a lot of controversy about whether or not Shawn Michaels was just making that ruling because you know he's a he's a friend of Triple H's, or was he making the right call, the wrong call? And the interview was pretty good. I, I, to me, they showed the clip of Shawn Michaels getting back in the ring, and it looked like he saw the choke slam. See, that was just my vantage. Oh, same. That's how- I, I agree. It looked like he saw it too. But, like, you know, it was a good interview. Yeah. Shawn Michaels basically talking about how nothing he does is good enough for people. You know, he can't make everybody happy. It was pretty good. Yeah. No, I agree. Nothing nothing too much to talk about there, really. Um, leading into that, leading in, that led into, rather, I should say, another match. The last match of the evening, pro- last match proper of the evening, Godfather and S.A. Rios versus Perry Saturn and D. Malenko of the Radicals. So we got a lead sighting. That was cool. Uh, well, first we need to note that there was a very brief backstage segment beforehand um, with S.A. Rios coming out of the Godfather's locker room with some, some hose and Lita wasn't yeah. too impressed. No, wasn't really feeling it. Played it off like she was cool with it, but you could tell she wasn't really feeling it. That is important to note. That is important to know. especially. She was, mm, S.A. Rios was yeah. trying to get a bit of a groove on, and Lita wasn't really having it. Lita wasn't grooving. Lita wasn't grooving. So before, this this was this was great. Uh, before the match even starts, Godfather gets on the mic, and just and, I, and says, Dean, talking to Malenko, we could wrestle, or you could have a trip with one of these hoes. Dean takes not one, but two of the women, <laughs> and leaves the ring. Just leaves Perry Saturn on his own. Mm. But that was, I love that. I so did Not I, the- and the fact that some of the verbiage, like just the language that um, Godfather used, like you don't realize sometimes what you could say in the Attitude Era, like roll a fatty for this pimp yeah, daddy. Yeah, roll a fatty, light up that blunt. He said, you, and it's you, like just things you can't get away with now. Yeah, he, he was even, a crazy guy. It's just a, I you know what I always I like I said 
earlier in the show. I love Godfather. Godfather was great to me. All that, all the language that he used with his hoes, and he's a, he's literally a pimp. Yeah, hookers. Yes, he was a pimp. And like they're not hiding the fact that it's not like a subtle. Oh, he might be a pimp. He's a pimp, and he's he a pimp. Has hoes. His finisher is called the the pimp drop, I believe, or the hoe train. Oh, oh, he had both. oh, there was that too. He had, he two, had, he had two of them. <laughs> he had both. Like literally, they're not hiding the fact at all that this guy has a pimp and these are his hoes. Um, and I mean, if you're going to lean into it, you may as well lean into it at 100. percent um, But even the back of his shirt said "Roller Fatty" for this pimp yeah. daddy. Like that was on a WWE shirt. Like <laughs> that to me is just probably. Um, but yeah, I'm all for The Godfather again. This segment was cool. Dean Malenko taking not one, but two hoes. And Dean Malenko is just the most straight-faced human being. Yeah. Um, just a pure wrestler. Just, just cool <laughs> stuff. It really was. No, Perry Saturn was yeah. not happy. <laughs> no, Perry Saturn wasn't happy. But Perry Saturn did go on to win the match after Lita turned on S.A. Rios. Yeah, and um, like I said earlier, this is leading to... It's leading, <laughs> leading to Lita <laughs> joining the Hardys eventually to take on TNA. I know that, and spoiler alert, sorry if anyone's not um, up to date. But yeah, that is a leading to that. Um, and I have to know, I don't know if you noticed this on commentary or not, but um, JR said that to King, have you ever rolled a fatty? And King yeah. said, yeah, when I ro- pushed you down a hill or something like that. Yeah, and I was like, holy I remember that. shit. That, and they are even laugh because that was a good line. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, because sometimes King is just so lame. And some of his stuff is just so bad. But that one I laughed at. I was like, okay, that that's funny. Bad. I think his stick wore thin over the years. But, like, his one-liners are, they're always corny. They're, they're pretty, they're, they're, oh, they're they always... always corny yeah. even the ones nowadays where they're they're real corny and they're just bad but i still chuckle oh, because, I like, chuckle. even if it's just because it's like oh king what are you doing but i still chuckle yeah. but um, like an embar- laugh of embarrassment almost king is definitely a commentator that benefited benefited from the attitude era his work is better in the attitude era or in a non-pg environment than it is in a pg environment um, yeah. so, I mean, that kind of stuff, the match was what it was. It wasn't all that long, but like you said, leader turning on SA Rios, um, before we move on, uh, can you give me your favorite SA Rios moment? Go. My favorite SA Rios moment? I don't have a favorite SA Rios moment. <laughs> Are you crazy? Oh, <laughs> uh, he was just leader's little thing. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what happened to SA Rios. I have no clue. Like, literally nothing. He debuted on, on Heat with Lita, or maybe he debuted beforehand and then Lita come along, but Lita was his biggest accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, basically. This 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 moment for him, this was S.A. Rios' biggest moment, getting turned on by Lita, which eventually led to her becoming one of the greats. And he became... Mm-hmm. He became a footnote. Footnote in history. Um, That's all we could say about that. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's about all I could say on that, poor man. (laughs) Shout out to S.A. Rios. (laughs) Yeah. If you're out there listening, like, come on the show. (laughs) I'd love to chat. (laughs) 
You talk anyway. about your great moments, it'll go for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, little mini, little mini pod, little mini pod. <laughs> Anywho, when I think we're at the, oh, okay, we're to the main event segment now. Yeah. Rock comes out to the ring, cuts a promo, basically says, you know, we each gave it all we had last night, but you didn't beat the right, you didn't beat the rock. Didn't beat the rock, which is fair, which is, you know, fair. Yeah. Very fair statement. Then Triple H and Steph come out, and Triple H sort of says, like, you know, we went through hell. We went through, it was our judgment day, but only one of us is a winner, and he's standing right here, and only one of us is a loser, and he's standing in that ring. And then Triple H comes down to the ring. I, I, I may have missed something important in his promo. Honestly, I was waiting for the action. So was I. But, uh, comes down to the ring, they start brawling. They start brawling, and here come X. Here comes X Pac. Here comes Road Dog. Here comes Shane. Here comes Vince. They've all been freed from their various places of wherever they're wherever they're being held. Vince from his limo, X Pac and Road Dog from the back of a truck. Shane from the outside of the building. They all came in. They all jumped on. And it was a beatdown. Vince did take a rock bottom, so he wasn't really involved in the beatdown. But then. They played a little creepy, a little creepy video up on the screen, and Undertaker was back, motorcycle and all. Yeah, it was. Um, this segment was a lot was happening, a lot. Yeah. Um, and I just like how Undertaker came out, you know, beat up X Park and Vince and that, and then it looked like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the Undertaker was trying to. Run over Vince McMahon with his motorcycle. Yeah, Vince had to move his legs at the very... He had to get his legs out of the way because Taker was trucking. He was coming. (laughs) You're essentially trying to kill a man. (laughs) Your boss, too. No no less. Not just any man. Sorry, your boss. Just casually trying to run him over with a motorcycle. No worries. I'm going to do that to my boss and I'll see how she likes it. I don't think she would like it. No, it'd be a different reaction, I think. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Taker comes out, helps The Rock, you know, Klee clears house. Um, what else? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing, though, like, all this is happening. Taker's taking out everybody. Rock and Triple H are still fighting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Triple H has him set up for a pedigree on the steel steps. Rock hits him with a back body drop. The show ends with The Rock hitting Triple H with the rock bottom through the announce table. Cool spot. And the crowd was eating it up. The crowd was going absolutely nuts. Yeah, it was a cool ending. Very, um... Um... What's the word? I don't know. It was just a cool ending. I like the way that yeah. it, it, the show ended. It always, like we said, this whole show was centered around that angle. And it built to that, the whole show. Um, it was... Overall, I actually thought this was a cool Raw. Um... I was, I was, I yeah, good. yeah, it was, I, I was so interested in 99% of the show, um, and it built to what it needed to build to, um, it just was, yeah, like I said, I've said it many times in this show, it literally was the wild, wild west, anything was going to happen, anything did happen. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of craziness, a lot of, a lot of chaos, a lot of hectic stuff, but in the end, everything had its purpose, and everything served its purpose. Yeah. I can't really um, elaborate too much more on that, because it was just a cool roar. Um, how did you feel about um, going into this, 
and coming out of this now, recapping a Raw as opposed to recapping a pay-per-view. It's two very different things. I was going to say, it's definitely different. I like the, the way I took notes was so much different because when, for pay-per-views, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to note spots. I'm trying to know, you know, cool mood matches, who wins, who loses on this show. It wasn't winners and losers hardly mattered. Yeah. No, that's, that's, and that's just how it was. Like it was more about segments and that's how, and like we, we echoed, I'm echoing what you said before. That's how it should be. I think on raw and on SmackDown is that it should be a segment driven show. Yeah. And this certainly was. Yeah, I agree. Um, it did its job. Everything built to what it's needed to. It literally makes me want to go back and watch the next Raw and the Raw after that and the yeah. Raw after that. There's continuity between shows, pay-per-views, and everything mattered. So that, that's a that's a good... It was just a good Raw. I really enjoyed yeah. watching a Raw just out of context and not in order of anything else. Just watching a random Raw. Yeah, it was fun. It breezed by, too. Obviously, Raw was shorter back in the day, but and there's no commercials on the network, but it did. It just breezed through. I literally, um, so I watched this Raw. I started watching it at, like, lunchtime yesterday, and something came up, so I had to stop. But I watched majority of it as I was cooking dinner, so, and I was able to watch it and enjoy it and eat my food and, and like it instead of constantly be looking at my phone i didn't really recall looking at my phone too much except for taking notes because i was taking notes on my phone um so was i so um yeah it was just it was i just really liked it honestly i just really enjoyed this raw um now a couple things we need to attend to before we um uh head off for this episode um, the first thing is I want to talk about a few little things that are happening in the world of WWE currently. There's a few little news um, uh, tidbits that I'd like to talk about. The first I would like to talk about, and these are only going to be brief. We're not going to go into too much detail about any of this. Um, but the first one that I'd like to talk about is the situation between Arn Anderson and his firing and what news came out in the last few hours. Um now, Arn Anderson, for those of you who don't know, was um, released from WWE, mm, Kev, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago? I, I, about a week ago. Yeah. So. It, it was about a week or so ago, and um, all we knew at the time was there was reportedly that something that just went wrong, or some kind of issue that happened, and it led to Arn Anderson um, being released. Um, we now know, now we don't know all the details here... Um, that Arn Anderson reportedly allowed Alicia Fox to wrestle a match while intoxicated at a live event in the last month or so. Um, now, obviously, we haven't seen Alicia Fox on television since the Royal Rumble, um, but I just, just thought that was just standard, you know, with Alicia Fox. She's not on television all the time. Um now, Arneson was an agent for WWE, so he was in charge of putting this match together. Um, there's so many factors in this situation. Um, a, obviously, if Alicia Fox has some kind of a problem, and WWE reportedly offered a rehab, but she has been AWOL ever since, um, we want Alicia Fox to get help. Um, B, Alicia Fox is putting another person's life in her hands. Therefore, if she's intoxicated while doing so, it is very easy for her to injure 
not only herself, but somebody else. Um, they're the two main things. Um, Arn being let go because of allowing her to do so is, um, in some ways I understand it, but in other ways this needs to be some kind of, and we don't know if there is, we're just talking from what we know, that Alicia Fox needs to be held accountable for this as well because she's showing up to her job under the influence and that's not okay. Yes. No, it's, she, this is unacceptable. Absolutely inexcusable. You wouldn't show up to your day job drunk. You wouldn't show up to any job drunk unless your job is to be a drunk, I guess. Yeah. That's just how it goes. That's just, that's just life. But this is on a whole other level because like you said, you're taking another person into your hands. You are, it's your job to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. And for you to go out and completely disregard that person's safety by getting drunk before wrestling a match, that's unacceptable. I, I personally, I don't, I, I don't know what they're going to do with her. I, obviously, I mean, I guess you could say that she's being disciplined by being kept off TV, but that's not enough personally no, for me. I, no, I don't too- agree. Now, apparently, the match on this live event was a six-woman tag match. It was Alicia Fox, Mickey James, and Alexa Bliss versus Sasha Banks, Natalia, and Bailey. Um, that's a lot of moving bodies in a ring, and Fox is probably, in my opinion, if we go by just sheer... I'm just guessing. Alicia Fox probably would have been involved in the finish. She probably would have been the one taking the fall or the tap out of some kind, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I agree. So Fox is responsible for the finish. If she's intoxicated, um, that's a finish that could easily be um, screwed up. Yes, it's on a live event, but it doesn't matter. You're still wrestling. It doesn't matter if you're wrestling at the performance center in front of nobody. Um, you cannot be drunk while doing this. I know that Alicia Fox, we've seen it many times where she's had close calls with being released, um, with the stuff with Ronda Rousey's husband. And, uh, you know, there's just been a few times where I think Alicia Fox's attitude or something has happened where, you know, maybe something should be done about this. But, um, just quickly before we move on to the next bit of news, um, do you think that Alicia Fox should be released for this? Honestly, yes. I, I I think that I don't think she, I, I think in, I don't think there's enough. I don't think she's enough upside anymore to really. Ex- I, I I mean I would I, I'm not just saying this because it's Lisa Fox and Lisa Fox is not on TV enough. 